You are listening to a special edition of Two Steps Ahead podcast, a trip down memory lane, as we play past segments of previous shows for you here this week. Hope you enjoy the show. And so here we go with our special edition, Two Steps Ahead podcast, a trip down memory lane. And welcome to Two Steps Ahead. I'm Son Edom, alongside my friend and colleague, Tara Hoke Shiro. And... Uh, Today we're going to be talking about a few things, but the main thing is going to be talking about decisions. A lot of things in life come down to the decisions that we make. Are they good decisions? Are they bad decisions? Or is the fear of making a decision mm. keeping you from actually trying something? And so that's going to be the topic for today. Glad to have you along. And uh, Daryl, it's going to be an interesting conversation because that seems to be the number one thing that people have a problem with is decision making. They're afraid to make the bad decision. It's kind of like in, in a mm-hmm. sport. It's like... Some people want the ball at the buzzer, and others want to pass it off. And that's kind of like the decision-making process. Are you going to be one that's going to take the shot at the buzzer, either make it or break it, or do you want to pass it off and let someone else decide for you? And so uh, decision-making is is a a huge thing. It is a huge thing. And of course, if you know me very well at all, I love to start off with definitions, like what the heck is a decision anyway, which is simply what? It's a it's a it's a determination made after consideration, right? And so it's that consideration part that we think about. And I also like to break it down into two steps. So there's a direct decision and there's an indirect decision. And I would say that those direct decisions are the the decisions that you were talking about in life, those major life um, benchmarks that we think about, like where should I go to school? What should I major in? Who should I get married to? What job should I have? What career should I have? And then goes on from there, marriage, kids, buying a house, where do you live, you know, retirement, all of that. So those are the direct decisions that we have a tendency to make that we think are going to keep us on the right track or they can kind of trip us up. We can get stuck in making those. But then it's those indirect decisions that we make on a daily basis that are off of our radar. Those are the ones that that trip us up and keep us from accomplishing those bigger decisions. So maybe an example. So like, let's say somebody says, um, well, I'm in college and I have a job and, you know, so I'm headed towards, you know, my future. But then those indirect decisions, you know, we sleep in, we miss a class, we're out partying, um, we lie on a test. There's all these little things that we decide to do on a daily basis that kind of trip us up that can, and those are the, what builds our character. And that's what either um, moves us forward or brings us back. You know, you mentioned uh, students, college students. I teach at Pasadena City College in the radio department, radio broadcasting. And I had a student that missed the first day of school in the fall. And the decision, they just missed the first day of school. She missed the first day of school. Mm -hmm. And so she thought that she might not come back to school. She was kind of upset she missed the first day of school and decided, well, should I go back to school? Should I just drop out? What should I do? She decided to come back to school the next the next day, which was the two days later. And now she's gone on. She has a, a radio show on a campus radio station, and she's doing some peer counseling and some other things. But I'm I'm shocked to think that what if her decision not to return would have been the decision, what she would be doing now, compared to the decision to come back and all the things that she's accomplishing, all the people that she's helping, all mm-hmm. the things that are going on in her life, which are positive now. And so sometimes, you know, the decision to to do something can be a difficult one. 
And to get a little bit more, uh, maybe not so controversial, but a little bit more deeper into it, you know, I know you're from Ohio. You're a Buckeye. <laughs> the only thing I don't like about you is the Buckeyes. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> me being a Trojan fan. So I went to a game recently, and it was a big win for USC. And I was thinking about afterwards. You know, I'm, I'm leaving the game, and it's campus, and everyone's out there having a good time. And I started to think about, okay, how many lives are going to be changed here on this night because of a decision, whether it's to drink too much, whether it's to party too much, whatever the decision is, and how many lives are going to be affected by that. And that was something that kind of stuck into my mind about when you talk about decisions is, you know, even at a younger age, the decisions that we make at the at that time in the moment could be life altering, maybe long term or maybe just short term. It, it depends. So those are the indirect decisions that I would say that cause us to because we cause us to get off track. And I like to think of it as a kind of like a if you have like two rocket ships and they're you know side by side and if they're if their flight plans are just one centimeter off you know pretty soon they're often in the opposite direction and on a completely different planet and we say you know how did we get here and so they're in college you know they're making that direct decision of being in college so they can say okay my intent is that I'm going after this particular career goal or this particular goal in life and I'm in college. And so they, we think that we're doing, you know, the right thing because we're following that direct decision. But those indirect decisions, oftentimes, you know, whether or not I go to the party, how much I drink, who do I go home with, um, whether or not to, to miss the first day of class or to, you know, to show up late, all of those little decisions we don't think are important because we're we're going to college right so we're fulfilling we're checking off the box but it's those indirect and and i made a list surprise because i like lists i like to write things down so a lot of these indirect decisions that people make like you're um, saying are based on our need for fulfillment our need for peace um, loneliness whether or not we're hungry if we have um, fear what desires we have if we're trying to please other people safety security whether or not we feel accepted or validated if we're looking for comfort those are those little things that cause us to make decisions contrary to what we would look at the bigger decision and then we don't understand why we're off track and and like you said one little decision can change our lives, but they're off of our radar. We don't think that we need to pay attention to those decisions. So I think when you mentioned loneliness, I think loneliness is a big part, especially for younger people and anybody really um, in decision making. You know, you want to be accepted. You don't want to be alone. I think of like New Year's Eve. Everybody wants to go out and have that New Year's Eve party experience, have a good time, be with people. But I found over the years, because when I'm usually in bed at nine, <laughs> on New Year's Eve because I'm up at four because I'm at the Rose Parade for my job and uh, we broadcast it on our campus radio station awesome. and so I'm in bed early but over the years I've been talking to people and I find that a lot of people end up watching the ball drop on TV because they have nobody and mm-hmm. they're just there alone. Mm-hmm. And so then they decide, okay, well, this year, and I guess the number one or one of the biggest resolutions that people have at the new year is A, join the gym, <laughs> which ends 30 days later when the month is up. And then B is, you know, to find somebody. You know, maybe they go on the dating apps or whatever the case may be to try to find somebody because being lonely is uh, not fun, as people would say. And so I think that kind of, when you mention that list and you talk about 
loneliness, I think that's a huge factor in people's mm-hmm. decisions. Acceptance would be another one. You mm-hmm. know, they don't want to be, how many times have people been peer pressured into doing something because, and it's, it's a bad decision, because they want to be accepted. Right. You know? So I would say that because we're talking about, you know, bigger decisions versus smaller decisions, I would say that it's very important to take a look at those smaller decisions that we're making on a daily basis that might be causing us to um, get exactly what we don't want. So let's say, for example, we're making decisions because we're lonely. So we decide to start dating somebody that um, there's red flags all over the place and we choose to ignore the red flags because it's like, well, who else uh, is going to want me? Who else is going to want to date me? So at least I'll have somebody. Well, then this somebody hurts us and causes chaos in our life and then we have even more problems and then we're stuck in this relationship and we don't know how to get out of it and if we break up with them then we're going to be lonely again and so the decision isn't necessarily this bigger like okay I want to be with someone I I you know want to get married and be safe and secure the decision might be um, why am I so lonely and, and why do I not have a community of friends around me to fill in those gaps so I'm not looking for all of those um, emotional relationship things that I need in one person? And then so so sometimes the decision has to be I need to look inside myself and find out what is lacking so that I don't go and, and take care of it in the wrong way and then take me completely off course. I think one of the biggest things that I read is, especially with younger people, is I guess when they go to therapy or talk to somebody, counseling or whatever, the biggest discussion that they have is that of decision making. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do for my career? What am I going to do for my job? What am I going to study in school? What relationship am I going to have? What are some of the big decisions in life that I need to make? And I'm concerned that I'm going to make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. So I guess it would be okay. So once you make a decision or how do you go about making that decision would be the thing to mm-hmm. have to figure out because are you going to pull the trigger on right. choosing someone you're going to date or are you going to kind of hem and haw and kind of wait on that? So let's talk about that. How let's let's use us for an example. Like how do you make decisions? What is your process for decision making? So me, I'm kind of like I would have been a great lawyer. I would have. I would have been. A, I would have been like you know any any lawyer movie that you ever saw where they like you know Tom Cruise got the guy to admit the code red you know stuff like that. Right. That would have been me. Okay. Because I take a look at all the angles. I take a look at all the information. I take a look at everything that I possibly can, and, and I don't spend a lot of time dwelling on it. But I look at all the angles, and then I make a decision based on all the information that I can have. It's about the information, mm-hmm. and then I decide. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it could be a small decision, like you know. Okay, what am I going to do for class today? Maybe it's a bigger decision, like where am I going to go on vacation? Or maybe it's something more impactful, like how am I going to interact with you know coworkers? Or if someone's really pissing me off, how am I going to handle that situation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't really necessarily have a knee-jerk reaction most of the time because I want to take and consider all the angles. Because like you were talking about direct and indirect, my direct decision to my bitchy coworker might have indirect negative effects. Mm-hmm. So I want to take sh- make sure that whatever I decide here isn't going to, you know, negatively affect other people or right. might not, you know, h- how that's going to play out. Right. And so I like to take a look at all the angles, all the information, and then make a decision that I think is best. Um, 
So I'm so. pretty similar with that. Um, I like to, I kind of envision because I'm a, I'm a writer, I'm an author, and I edited a lot of books for other writers. And what I often notice is that people would come in, um, for those of you that can see us on camera, they would come in with their book attached to their chest. And any comment or any critique that we would need to talk about, like who is the audience or what shelf on the bookshelf um, it's going to sit on, they would take everything personal because it was attached to their chest. I like to put the problem on the table out here so it's not personal per se. And like you said, look at all the angles, but I like to look at the pros and cons. I like to look at how it's going to affect, you know, what the ripple effect is going to be. So for example, if we're talking about, you know, where to put the chair in the living room or how to how to rearrange the backyard, what is the best decision for that specific problem? And sometimes we have to make a decision that we don't like or some or a decision that's uncomfortable. And so if we keep it um, centered on the problem itself and ba- and and solve that problem based on its own merits and not take it personal, then we can make better decisions. But I think part some of this that where we get tripped up in, in our personal decision making process is that taking all the pieces into consideration, like you said, that's our core values. That's our passions. That's our skill sets. That's our needs and our desires and our wants. That's everything that that we have in our life and who we are, who it is that we are bringing to the table. Um, because when we don't consider that, so for example, I coach at an office and I'm very good at identifying the problem. I'm very good at um, breaking down the problem into the different parts and, and coming up with a strategy to solve the problem. I'm not so good at hospitality. I'm not so good at being a cheerleader. I'm in my head a lot. I'm thinking a lot. And that doesn't necessarily play well to a team builder. You know, if I'm going to be the team builder in the office, um, I'm not the one that will walk into the office and be like, hey, guys, how's everybody's day? I'm the one that's like, okay, where's the coffee? And please don't talk to me until 10 o'clock, right? You can't be a team builder with that type of a personality. And if we're not completely self-aware of ourselves, then we get ourselves into situations and we make decisions that are not good for us because we don't know who we are. We don't know our core values and we don't know what makes us tick. We don't know what our guiding principles are. And so when, so I think the first step, if we were going to give some tips is in, in these major life decisions is to write out our core values, the positive ones and the negative ones. And a core value is simply something that drives your behavior. So I'm a learner and I'm driven to read and write because that's just what I do. It's like breathing for me. Other people are, you know, hospitality. And so they want to go and talk to everybody in the grocery store, everybody in the coffee shop. That's what drives their behavior, right? Some people's um, behavior is driven by comfort. And so when it comes to making a hard decision where they're not going to be comfortable, they can't make the right decision because their core value is comfort and they're going to shrink back and be afraid um, to, to make the decision that they need to. So I think the first step is knowing who we are, take all those self-assessment tests, figure out our core values, really take the time to get a, a good grip on our personality and who we are. Um, and then we know who we're bringing to that process. What about lying when it comes to things that um, are not necessarily involving other, I mean, they do involve other people, but it's more hidden. So for example, if you received 
extra change at the cash register, do you tell the lady or do you the, or the man or do you keep it and say, cha-ching, today was my lucky day. I got extra change. See, me personally, I give it back just because that's just me no, mm-hmm. for no reason i just you know it's not mine um i give it back mm-hmm. um, me too. so i, always give it back. I guess or, that's a, a person but you know. yeah or if there's a um if you have i've walked out of the grocery store before and there's been something in my cart maybe on the bottom now they have those um cameras on the bottom but something that didn't get paid for so i've literally turned back around and gone back into the store and said, can you charge me for this? But in general, so like, so we're talking about lying. We're talking about when is it okay to lie? If it is okay to lie, how much of a lie, like how far do you go down that slide? And when is it, when is a lie okay? When is it not okay? Is it ever okay? And when is it you're giving information, but not all the information, Okay, so you take a look at things that are going on. Law enforcement. You've got a shooter on campus. Do you really want everybody to know everything that's going on, or are you going to give them some information to kind of ease and calm, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 situation? Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe maybe that's maybe that's a topic that's not even, maybe maybe that type of scenario doesn't even fit in the conversation mm-hmm. because we're dealing with something completely different. Are we just talking about interpersonal? Well, I think withholding information, like you were talking about in the medical, they were withholding Mm -hmm. information to protect you. Right. And, and, or to protect themselves from me suing them for telling me I have pancreatic cancer and give me a heart attack and then I don't. (laughs) Right. Or, you know, in a, in a traumatic, you know, in a shooting, you know, withholding information in order to protect people, to keep people calm. Um, so, or, you know, then we're getting into other scenarios in our relationships about, we want to be with someone who's honest, but, it, you know, we, we look at those little things. So, for example, um, I'll tell on myself. So, um, sometimes I, so I used to, I don't do this anymore, but I used to buy a pair of shoes or a sweater or whatever and then bring it into the house without him, without my husband seeing the package come in, Right. And then maybe like three months later, I put it on. He's like, oh, is that a new sweater? I'm like, oh, I got this three months ago. (laughs) So that's that is lying. Right. That's not being honest. So we all do those things. Right. 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 So you want to tell on yourself? Is there anything that you do? No, not really. <laughs> <You're lying. laughs> not really. Well, no, I mean, like you said, you, you, you can you can. Here, here's the one, here's the one area that I'll say where you should never lie. Never lie to yourself. But we do. But we shouldn't because we need to tell ourselves the truth about who we are and what we're going through and what our experiences are. I think that's the area that we lie the absolute most but we to ourselves. Okay. So, um, so like what would be a situation where you lie to yourself? So if we um, are not in reality with who we are, we think that we're better than other people we think that we're um better than we're above a certain situation where we deserve to be paid more for our efforts we deserve to be um have you know accolades or rewards um or we say that we're you know less than other people like oh i don't i don't deserve you know all of this or i don't deserve you know this treatment that i'm getting those are i think sometimes 
you know, there could be some truth on there, but a lot of times we lie to ourselves. We think that we're better than we are. We, we have a tendency to base ourselves on our intentions. And so if I intend to do something, it makes me feel like I'm a better person because I'm fully intending to do it. I'm not a better person because I haven't done it. All I've done is think about, you know, fantasizing about the future, about what I may or may not do. So because we base ourselves on our intentions, we and a lot of times we lie to ourselves because how many times have we said, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Let's just pick a couple of things. Just for examples, I'm going to start saving money or I'm going to lose weight. Um, or I've, I lost some, some weight, but then I gained it back at Thanksgiving. But then every time you, somebody sees you or every time you see this person, it's always like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to lose weight, even though they're getting, you know, bigger and bigger. We're lying to ourselves because you either are or you aren't doing something. And so when we, when we pretend or when we base our actions on our intentions, that's a form of lying to ourselves because there's, we haven't done it. We haven't done what we said that we're going to do. And so that that's one way. There's several ways, but that's one way. But that Thanksgiving turkey was so delicious. It was. And I had so many helpings for like day. I left. That's, are the see, best that's part. why your pants are a little bit tight because yeah. <laughs> it's not because of lunch today. It's because the turkey <sighs> that you had at Thanksgiving. Yes. And you're going to point that out and you're going to notice. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't know. I think I'm a little bit more real with myself. I think I'm more real with myself than I am with anybody else because I'm, I, I go back and forth. Like I'll get, I'll tell myself the truth and then I'll give myself excuses why the truth isn't the truth, but I still know the truth, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so where do you think that you, cause I, we all, we're humans. Mm-hmm. We all lie to ourselves. So, so you're saying that there's never a time that you manipulate or, um, shuffle the truth for any reason or well what, okay what about this scenario the holiday season you mentioned thanksgiving so we're the holiday season and let's say well not let's say because people do it all the time there's uh someone that's a little bit less fortunate a family and you go out and you buy some gifts and you drop the gifts on the doorstep mm-hmm. they come to you and said hey did you give us the gifts no i didn't because you don't want the attention and the accolades you just want them to enjoy the gifts. Is that okay to lie that way? Or should you say, yeah, I did. I hope you enjoy them. Yeah. It's a, well, like, again, we're talking about protecting people's feelings. Like if it's, if you say, yes, I'm the one that left the gifts on your porch, they may feel obligated to you. They may feel um, inferior to you. They may feel, they may have all kinds of weird feelings about it. And so depending on, their reaction again you know we we a lot of lying is to is for protection so depending on how they react or what that relationship is um but again the more like i'm so yeah i've done that or i've right. been the receiver of right. that and you're right yeah. it's so awkward it's like do you or do you not you know tell the truth and if you tell the truth the consequences might be that they feel inferior and it's going to be a weird relationship moving forward if you don't tell them it was me and they know that it was now they're going to know mm-hmm. they're going to look at you as like that you're being manipulative or that you're lying or that you can't just be honest enough to say hey i want to help you so sometimes there's like you're you're damned either way right like if you do if you don't and well in the good samaritan type of scenario i think it's okay to lie if you want to to protect that because it's you know what's that saying you know um when you give in secret is better than to 
to give for the accolades because that's what you receive. Like if I'm giving because I want people to know I'm giving, um, then that's my reward is the accolades of me giving. But if I give in secret and give in quiet and let the act of me giving be what it is, then that's kind of bad. I know I'm kind of messing up the quote. But no, I'm no, no, you're here. not messing up the quote. It's totally right. And it's, and it's a double, again, is a double-edged sword because you're, we, the, the, I don't know the exact um, reference to that verse, but the verse that you're referring to means that if we do it, if, if we serve, if we donate, you know, to charity mm-hmm. or we give something and we do it so that people will congratulate us, then that is not the way that mm-hmm. God designed it because we're getting the glory and it's not, not for him. Mm-hmm. But so, so it's self-serving. Like we give in order to, you know, receive the accolades and that's not the right way to give. In that respect, it would be better to give in secret so that we don't, um, we're not, you know, getting all the pats on the back. However, if everything that we do as far as charity is done in secret, now we're not motivating or inspiring anybody else to follow suit. And so the, the, um, the conundrum is, is that, you know, we go serve at the homeless shelter. We don't want to brag about it, but we want to encourage other people to serve. So we tell people about it. We invite them to come with us. We, we invite them to be a part of the giving, you know, that we're doing, but we don't take the credit like, oh, we're such great people. We do it so that other people can join in and be encouraged to also because when people see some people donating and volunteering it it inspires them to donate and volunteer so i think it's the it's the not doing it for personal satisfaction it's not doing it to put it on your resume like oh i you know donate here i you know it's not for self it's not the look at look at me no the look at me look what i've done type of thing right that's the line that's the line so it's not so again is that lying like if we do something and we don't want to own up to that it was us or is that being secret santa or is that being i see it just comes down to the circumstance goes back to i think the circumstance in some situations it's okay to be the one that just lets you know let the lie be a lie because it's for the betterment of the situation or the circumstance right sometimes but most of the time we should just be able to be straight up with some sort of truth where you're giving the facts and you're just talking about and we shall be mature enough to be able to accept that and receive that but we're not and so but that's why we're having this conversation the truth is Something that is um, self-protecting or self-preserving. So let's say yeah, okay. we are, let's say we're um, watching, uh, we're addicted to pornography, right? Or and our spouse is, you know, being left out. Um, let's say we have some sort of any kind of a, of addiction, addiction sure. or an affair or. Um, Whatever, and of course we don't want to be caught, so we're going to lie in order to feed whatever it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But see, that's a difference. See, that's a different circumstance. Mm-hmm. There, we don't want to get caught because we might be doing something perceived as wrong. Mm-hmm. Versus, we don't want to get caught because we don't want the accolades to be on us. We just want the deed that we did, the good deed, to stand alone. We want these people that benefited from our kindness or generosity just to be able to enjoy their Christmas morning. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference because the the line to protect ourselves because we're doing something wrong is a circumstance where we don't want to get in trouble. 
Right. And so, therefore, we're going to lie so we don't get in trouble. I mean, it's that's inherent in our nature. Right. We're born with that. We're right. born with lying to get out of trouble mm-hmm. because we always are in trouble, even mm-hmm. from, you know, a kid, you know, that can barely walk and talk. We're mm-hmm. going to lie. Did mm-hmm. you do this, Johnny? No. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. You know, who did this? They did. They did whatever. And so that's or inherent. Even, or even on what you just said made me think of, look at all the people on the news, on TV, the politicians, and how many people, not even just politicians, but, but high, higher up people who have gotten caught doing something and, and, well, that's, was it Prince and Andrew? Yeah, I think Prince it's the Andrew. one he just said in the interview. He says, I honestly don't remember that picture being taken. I don't remember meeting her. I don't remember the conversation. I honestly think that never happened. And I'm like, how many times have people said those exact words? I don't recall. I don't remember. I don't. And we're all sitting there thinking, okay, it would be better. It would save us all a lot of time and money if, 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 people would just own up to it and say yeah i did it and and but we we deny we deny i did not have sex with that woman i did not i don't recall like over and over and over Oops. so it's hard to be honest because the because if we're honest and we tell the truth we're gonna look back i mean we look bad anyway by doing that but we can't handle that kind of vulnerability that's why we lie because we can't. We've gotten caught. We're out in the light, and we can't handle the vulnerability that it takes to say yes, I did this. And so we protect and pretend until we can't anymore. And then it's like, okay, well, yeah, I did it. But right, yeah, self preservation yeah. is the you know the. And I'm sorry, my ADD is like all over the place on this. <laughs> Let me. I have another story to tell. Tell us your story. <laughs> so I was at the porn convention. I mentioned a couple episodes ago that we had a booth at the porn convention, right? It was, I wasn't, um, uh, I wasn't participating. She does not perform. <laughs> I do not. I'm Settle not a performer. Down. Right. So we had a booth, you know, Jesus loves porn stars and no, Jesus does not love pornography, but he loves the people. So we were there to tell them that. And so people came up to the booth and we were having these great conversations and this more than once. I was there two years in a row. More than once, people came up and we would say, hey, you want to take a picture with this really cool backdrop that we had? And the guy would say, oh, no, if my boss knew that I was here, I would be fired. Or if my wife knew I was here with her, she would divorce me. And then the woman would say, oh, yeah, if my husband knew that I was here um, with him, he would. So so these two people were having an affair. They met in Vegas. At, they came. They met for the weekend in Vegas at the porn convention having an affair both of them were married so we get ourselves into these situations you know that we're just lying all over the place and you know or it, 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 even a lie could be as simple as hey I'm gonna you know exercise when I get home and then when we get home we're like ah, I'm too tired I'm not gonna do it well you said that you were gonna do it so was that that's just changing your mind you think it's changing. that's just changing my mind because again circumstances well then you need to reevaluate your priorities because again the circumstance could be because i could wake up in the morning and be like yeah when i get home i'm gonna do xyz i'm gonna exercise i'm gonna do this i'm gonna read a book i'm gonna 
and then you get home after a long day of you know sniveling students whining about their grades and you're like oh, i just gotta sit and veg and watch something stupid on tv so again it depends on so, the situation right so that is back to are we are we judging ourselves based on our intentions like say if the person that comes home every so i'm going to exercise when i get home and they never do so is that person basing themselves on their intentions they feel good about themselves because they have yes. full intention to exercise yes. But it's a lie because they never do. In that case, it would be they'd be lying to themselves and just they should just come up and be like, you know what? I'm not going to exercise. Exactly. And therefore, I'm going to stop telling everybody and telling myself I'm going to exercise because you're not going to Mm -hmm. unless you do it. You should stop telling yourself that. And again, that's why you should never lie to yourself. Just be honest with yourself and be okay. Why don't we? I don't know. Why don't we lie to ourselves? Or no, no, why, no. Do why we? don't? Why oh, do, I don't know. Why, I think that's so, an individual question. I, I try not to lie to myself, um, and I try to be honest with myself. You know, no, but it was something that came up because you started the uh, you you posted something on social media that brought about the idea of the topic, and I did. It was a, a laundry list of things that sometimes people might not often think about that go mm-hmm. along with anger. Sometimes we think anger is just being mad, mm-hmm. and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. somebody does something to me, so I'm mad. But there could be a lot of underlying issues that go along with it that we don't really relate to to anger right so and anger is um secondary it's not the root it's not the origin so there's always something underneath anger is a reaction to something else so it could be fear it could be embarrassment rejection it could be something that we see in society like rape or violence that could make us angry um, and those are the things that we should be angry at um or it could be a personal loss of control a personal um, incident that we have gone through. It could be um, any number of things that cause a reaction of anger. So anger in and of itself isn't a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a reaction. Um, but then what we do with that anger, how we handle that anger and use it, that's when it becomes either healthy or unhealthy. And that's when it becomes either destructive, um, making the situation worse, or when it becomes helpful and making the situation better. So there, you said, because I was thinking there's right anger and wrong anger, but there could be righteous anger and unrighteous anger because you right. mentioned I could be mad at, at a series of events that I saw take place mm-hmm. or, and that might be a righteous anger to be upset and to be mad about an event that happened, maybe an injustice or something happened to somebody else. Or if I get hurt and somebody hurts me mm-hmm. or something happens and so I get mad at somebody because they destroyed something of mine or crashed the car or whatever. That might be an unrighteous anger just because you're lashing out in a manner that might not be appropriate. I would say rather than using right or wrong or righteous or unrighteous, I would say healthy or unhealthy. Okay, so healthy or unhealthy. Because because anger is a valid reaction. It's valid. And a lot of times we're taught, especially for some reason in the Christian circles, that anger is a bad thing or that we're not supposed to be anger or not supposed to be angry. Um, it's not anger isn't God was ang- is angry. Jesus was angry. It's not that we shouldn't be angry. It's that we shouldn't use anger in a destructive way. So when we're lashing out, that would be unhealthy if we're um, judging people or using labels against people or condemning that would be unhealthy if we're you know fighting back tit for tat that would be unhealthy but when we see things that are not um that are damaging like rape or violence or or child abuse or whatever um we can use that anger to as fuel to make things better there's a whole bunch of things that we can do um to make the situation better and that would be a healthy way 
to use anger. So when you talk about healthy anger and being angry from a healthy perspective, there still has to be some checks, I would think, in there because we don't want to take that healthy anger and then our actions move it to an unhealthy reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, because you mentioned something like a rape or some violence towards somebody else, we can get angry about that, but then oftentimes our anger could want us to lash out. Mm -hmm. And so our, our, our healthy anger then becomes an unhealthy behavior. So there has to be Mm -hmm. a little bit of a balance or a little bit of check there so we don't Mm -hmm. take what's good Mm -hmm. and move it into the bad. So if we do have a healthy anger towards something, Mm -hmm. then how can we maybe use that in an appropriate way, an appropriate, uh, because I think anger would have to be something that you still have to get out. Mm-hmm. Like you can't keep it inside you because right. then you internalize it. So it has to be an emotion that would have to come out somehow. Right. So what would be a good way to uh, express that healthy anger so that it doesn't move into the unhealthy? So I'll give a specific example. Somebody actually responded to my Instagram post asking what about viol- or what about abuse? Now they were not specific what type of abuse. They didn't say emotional or verbal or physical. They just said abuse and, um, they were asking, shouldn't the abused person stand up for themselves and what kind of anger would occur in that situation if they were to, um, and they used the words fight back. So I'm not sure they weren't specific about what they meant by fight back. Um, so I just kind of answered, you know, in a more general way. So let's say, for example, um, someone is being physically abused. That's definitely something to be angry about. And if you are the one being abused, um, there are, you know, obviously you want to get yourself to safety first and foremost. You don't want to live in a situation years and years and years and years and years in an abusive situation. Um, I happen to know a little bit of background, background about this person. So I'm assuming that that was the case that they had lived um, in a family of origin of abuse. So there's this tendency to make the abuser the most powerful person being right and then everyone else is a victim the only way that we are a victim is if we choose to be now i know that there's a lot of economic reasons there's a lot of social reasons there's there's many many reasons why people stay where they are um but at the end of the day we need to choose to get out of that situation so if we need to call the police if we need to talk to the community around us, our friends, our family, our neighbors, get some help somewhere so that we can get out of that abusive situation. Because even in an example of like verbal abuse or emotional abuse, it's like if we, I've said this before, if someone is a jerk, they can be a jerk all day long on their side of the fence. They have the right to do that. But if we allow them, if we give them the key to our yard and we allow them on our side of fence, now we are part of the problem. Now we are an enabler. We are codependent. We are choosing to complain about the abuse on one side and then um, choosing to participate in it on the other. And so, of course, the person's going to be angry, right? There's going to be a lot of frustration in there because there's a lack of control. There's shame. There's all kinds of things involved, and that makes us very angry. But a healthy way to do it is to set those boundaries by calling the authorities, getting the community involved, asking our friends and neighbors for help, going to a support group, going to a therapist. There's any number of ways to get people around you to strengthen you, to get you out of that situation. So um, an unhealthy way to handle an unhealthy anger in that situation would be, as this person suggested, to fight back. And I wouldn't suggest that because all that does is going to bring more it's either going to bring more arguing, more verbal abuse, more physical abuse, you know. Um, 
So the healthy way anger, healthy anger makes the situation safer and better. Not necessarily that the other person is going to like it because nobody likes a boundary set against them. But ultimately, it will make you, you know, safer and healthier. And an unhealthy way would just to be retaliate, um, to seek vengeance, revenge. That is just making you both go down the drain together. Now, you mentioned shame. Mm -hmm. And we covered shame on a previous podcast not too long ago, Overcoming Shame. And again, remind us, are we talking about the same shame? Remind us about the definition of shame when we used it in the last podcast. Guilt is something that I've done wrong, and shame is I am something wrong. So when you talk about shame and anger, is it the same definition? Like you're still talking about yourself? Right. So anger like anger is a reaction to something underneath. So if we have shame underneath, that, that means that it sounds like this. Um, I must not be worthy of their love. Why am I not worthy enough for someone to choose me to date or to marry? Why am I, what is wrong with me that is causing this person to treat me the way that they're, they're treating me? All those are shame statements and it, and it keeps us in a victim stance. So no, we don't deserve to be treated that way, but unless we stand up for ourselves, they're going to keep doing it. So, and then the shame comes because we're deep down, we know that we're allowing it, we're participating in it. And I've heard, you know, people say, well, I, I've done everything I could, so I'm just going to get a divorce. Well, in their mind, doing everything they could means having the house spick and span when the person walks in the door so they don't blow up, not asking questions, not using your voice, tiptoeing around a uh, discussion so it doesn't turn into an argument so the person doesn't hit you. That's not doing everything that you can. That's enabling. That's just being very codependent. So doing everything that you can is saying, no, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to go get help. You can come with me, but if you don't want to, I'm going to go get help anyway. I'm going to move out or you move out or, you know, just not just having enough self-worth to um, stand up for yourself. And when we don't stand up for ourselves, that brings on more shame. And then that other person is bringing shame on us. Anytime we say, you know, I'm not have those feelings of not good enough, not smart enough. What's wrong with me? Those are all shame-based statements. So we could have anger towards ourself. Exactly. Because not only angry at the situation, but we have anger towards ourselves. So then we just become angry altogether, Mm -hmm. which then leads us down a spiral path of Mm -hmm. just kind of who knows where it can go. But it's not going to be good. And it depends on how we we handle it. But it's almost like there has to be a way for us to kind of understand the anger that we are experiencing Mm -hmm. because like you said a lot of times we're taught that anger is bad regardless Mm -hmm. and that's not always the case again we've talked about many things where people like to think in terms of black and white Mm -hmm. right or wrong absolutes Mm -hmm. but a lot of times we're finding out there's a lot of what we like to call what i like to call gray areas where Mm -hmm. it's not always right or wrong or this or that it could be a little bit of both and so again if we have shame or we're angry towards ourselves for something that someone else is maybe causing Uh, because we think we're the problem, Mm -hmm. then we need to maybe realize that the anger towards ourself isn't necessarily healthy because we're focusing on us as the problem when we might might not be the problem. The problem might be something else that's causing us to internalize it. Because uh, if you have, if we're shaming, if someone is doing something and we and we feel that we're the problem and mm-hmm. we're not, mm-hmm. and so we have this shame about us, and so we get angry at ourselves for allowing it to happen, for being in the situation, for whatever the case may be, 
then we might lash out to somebody else and be angry towards anything else except the source of the problem. So I guess I'm getting at is we have to kind of understand where our anger is coming from and what it's about in order to truly um, combat it. Yeah, and I think the anger towards ourself comes later. And I think we don't, we have an anger towards ourselves, but we don't want to acknowledge that we have an anger towards ourselves because then what do we do? I mean, we go with us everywhere we go. Yeah. <laughs> right? right? So we're carrying all this anger. Like, I don't want to be with this for, well, you don't have a choice. You're taking yourself everywhere. So a lot of times we don't acknowledge or we don't want to acknowledge the anger at our, ourselves. And so we project it out onto like, they're the problem there. And that's when that victim mentality comes in. And so we need to get to the point where we are angry at ourselves so that we can change the proper, the, the proper place. Because if I, because if we're in an argument and I'm angry at you, but I'm not acknowledging my part in it, then I can't change my part in it. You're the, you're the jerk and I'm the victim. So we do need to get to that point where the anger turns in a healthy way towards ourselves so that we can be like, dude, girl, what are you doing? Like, why are you allowing this person to treat you this way? And I, I, I so I gave the example several podcasts ago um, about um, when my parents got divorced or when there started, things started happening um, when I was young and I wasn't given permission to be angry. So that stuffed anger, of course, causes more anger because it causes, um, I, I was, so my feelings were not valid, right? Like this was wrong. The things that, some of the things that were going on were just wrong. And I wasn't allowed to call it out and say, this is wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. I didn't have permission to do that. So it, so as I grew up and when I came around other adults that were divorced, I lashed out at them. I didn't have permission to be angry at my parents. So anybody that was divorced, anybody that had any type of marital problems, I was super angry at you. And it could be a complete stranger. But if I heard someone talking that, the, you know, about them being divorced, I was just super angry. And I would take all that out. And that's, that's an unhealthy way to handle. It's not their, like, I don't know what their story is. I don't have a right to, you know, to be angry at them. But because I didn't deal with the root problem because of the origin, I didn't have a voice. I didn't have control which made me angry, and then I wasn't allowed to express a very valid feeling, very valid emotion, so then it turned into something super unhealthy. So a lot of times if we can allow people around us to be angry at and acknowledge that it's a valid emotion, but then look underneath of it and say, well, what's causing this anger? That's when you start getting to the healing, and that's when you start getting to the root um, of the problem, and then you can really address what's really going on. See, because I think that's one of the things that, you know, we struggle with is we struggle with understanding what it is that's causing it Mm -hmm. because we often go straight to the I shouldn't be angry because it's wrong. Exactly. And then, like you said, that just kind of escalates the anger into other things, lashing out and then other behavior follows. Mm -hmm. And so if we have an understanding of what it is and realizing that it could be okay, I mean, we live in a society where there's always something on the news or something that goes on in our lives. Like you said, maybe there's people that you know that are going through something, Mm -hmm. you know, in your, in your example, it was divorce and that would like kind of trigger you to get angry. Mm -hmm. So there's always something going on that's going to make us upset and make us angry. And it could be something, like you said, that's healthy, but it could be unhealthy. We just have to determine that. But we have to understand what it is Mm -hmm. that is causing us this. Going back to... uh, And you're right, taking responsibility for how we are feeling, how we are reacting, how we are perceiving the world. Because we could be wrong in that. You know, We could have a knee-jerk reaction to something 
okay, here, here's, here's an example. Um, my pet peeve is driving. Okay. So I take responsibility for the things that I do. So, but let's say we speed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we get pulled over. Okay. Now we're mad at the police officer that pulled us over mm-hmm. because he's giving us a ticket. Right. And we're mad at this. Well, we were the ones that were speeding. Right. We were the ones that were in violation of the law. We feel justified in our speeding because we had somewhere to be and we yes. had something important to do and we, we are justified in doing wrong. So exactly. how dare that police officer Tell me otherwise. How dare he impede my speeding because I had to get to I had a XYZ. right and I had a reason. Yeah. Which is interesting because I've actually done this on a side note. If you go five miles over the speed limit, 10 miles over the speed limit, you only get to your destination and really not much longer, mm. like maybe 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I'll take the 10 minutes and I'll just put the pedal to the metal Gretel. <laughs> but again, you're really not getting to your destination that much quicker. I've, I've done that. I've, I've timed it out. Right. But but yeah, we feel like, oh, I'm angry. Well, the anger should be at yourself because mm-hmm. you violated something. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you um, eat a lot, okay, I, I gained weight. Or, or, you know, how about the coffee at the McDonald's thing? I'm going to assume McDonald's because they serve me hot, hot coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well, coffee was supposed to be served hot. I'm, I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I assume coffee yeah. is supposed to. So we were having to be a little clumsy and spill coffee. Now we're going to blame somebody else. Right. So why do we do that? Right. Why don't we just take the responsibility ourselves? So as we get to bigger things mm-hmm. and more important things, mm-hmm. you know, and stop blaming others and start taking responsibility for the stuff that we've done, then maybe that starts changing things and starts putting things into perspective on how we act towards other people. Yeah, it's just hard. I got into an argument with somebody yesterday that was just on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And it just boiled down to taking responsibility or taking accountability for the thing, you know, that happened. It was like this big mystery. And we were just arguing, you know, about what, um, about the event, like how this occurred. And so we're, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's this. But the bottom line was, is that, um, we don't know truly what happened and we can guess, but one of us was, um, at fault. That's what we do know. So this, right. So one of us was at fault and rather than us saving the argument and saying, okay, it's obviously one of our faults. Who cares? Seriously, whose fault it was? Who cares? Um, let's just say it's just a 50-50 thing. It could have been um, my fault. could have been your fault. And let's just call it a day. But no, we argued and went round and round and round and round and round. And um, this person was like, okay, 10% my fault, but 90% your fault. And I'm like, <laughs> What? And we just went around and around and around and around and around. And it was just stupid. And so we don't, and I, I think that that's just a, a silly, you know, everything is stressful right now and everything and everybody's kind of like on a hairpin trigger. But in order to accept responsibility, we have to volunteer to look bad and we don't want to do that. So like on a higher level, like say for like a congressman or a president or somebody that's gotten caught in a Ponzi scheme or in an affair, you know, the famous, you know, I did not have sex with that woman. Um, we deny, we deny, we deny because we don't want to look bad until it gets to the point where it's so obvious. And then it's like, okay, well, maybe I did, but we don't want to look bad because then we, because then we have to admit that what we did was wrong and we were justified in our mind when we did it in the first place. That's why we did it. 
So we don't want to go against and say, okay, now it was wrong because then we have to answer the question, well, why did you do that? Why did you lie? Why did you take it? Why did you not, why are you not forthcoming in this information? Why are you hiding? Like, because then we have to admit that there's a side of us that's not on the up and up and we don't want to do that. Right. Right. We just don't. Otherwise we wouldn't have done it in the, I mean, if there wouldn't be this like back and forth within ourselves, if we were completely on the up and up, it wouldn't even be a struggle. We would never tell a lie. We would always be honest. We would never manipulate, hide, do anything. But that's human nature is that that's what we do. And and in this conversation, you know, with this person, I was just like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Like, why, why can't we just like say it was, you know, we don't know. It's okay. We've, the thing happened, right? It's done. It's over. It was one of our files. Who cares? Let's just move on. But we can't, you know, it's just so hard to do that because because sometimes there are things in people that like we are all equally good and equally bad. And sometimes people can't handle that. We have this sometimes we have this vision of ourselves that we're better than we are and that we're all oh, maybe there's a little bit. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I make mistakes or whatever. But there's this bigger part that that we don't want to admit to. Like babies are not born. We don't have to teach a baby when they're born, we don't have to teach them to be selfish and we don't have to teach them to lie and we don't have to teach them to hide up their mistake. We have to teach them to share and we have to teach them to tell the truth. Right. Right. And as adults, it's like, well, wait a second. If that was in there at birth, if I didn't have to have somebody show me how to, how to um, be selfish, then what makes me think that I've arrived and gotten rid of that selfish nature? Like where, where's that? We don't have a graduation from, okay, when babies are born, they're naturally selfish. They don't want to share their toys. And this is the point in life where you stop being self. Like there's, we don't have that. So we're still selfish. We, we handle it better now, but we're still selfish and we still lie and we still cheat and we still manipulate, but we can't. We don't want to admit that. We're, oh no, we're not that way anymore. We're like, I, I, of course, I'm all, like, I when I hand out, it's comical. Um, we've been doing a lot of reviews um, at work, and I created this whole um, system of like questions where you people have to answer them one through ten, and one of them is about trust and honesty and integrity, and um, and that's part of the review. Like they're they're graded on their job performance, like the technical skills things, but then they're also, we're also grading them on their character. And so, and I have people from their team fill it out about them. And, um, it's just comical. Like sometimes people will, and I I also have them do a self review. Some people will do that trust one, the character one, and they'll give themselves all tens. And it literally says like, like who is honest 10% at 10 out of 10? Nobody. But it makes me laugh because they'll fill out like they'll give themselves all tens in integrity and character and honesty. But then when they review other people, it's like, oh, threes, fours. <laughs> well, because I think <laughs> like, we have this. What? Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. We have an expectation that, you know, first off, we're better than everybody. Right. And so that and then, two, you know, we have to point out the faults in other people. I'm reminded of the lyrics from a Gin Blossom song. If you don't expect too much from me, you might not be let down. Right. And I think there's a certain amount of truth in that from the standpoint <laughs> that we try to, A, we put people up on a pedestal. Yeah. And when they do something wrong, we excuse it mm-hmm. because, oh, it's just an athlete. It's just a celebrity. It's just a whomever. So mm-hmm. it's okay. And then they don't take responsibility because they don't have to because mm-hmm. they get a pass. Mm-hmm. And so then that trickles down because we want to emulate our heroes. 
And so who are our heroes? Mm-hmm. Could be Larry Boy, for all we know. And so, um, and so then when it comes to like a work situation where we don't necessarily have celebrities or people that are above the fray, mm-hmm. we have people that are just like us, then we have to sit there and make ourselves feel better by mm-hmm. putting them down mm-hmm. and raising us and elevating us. Mm-hmm. And then when something does happen, like you said, because pride steps in, we don't mm-hmm. want to take the accountability and we don't want to take the, okay, I did something wrong, I'm sorry, and we have to deflect and put blame. I remember uh, I was getting my master's degree in uh, coaching and athletic administration from a school, and we had to put together this huge binder thing, like a thesis, but it wasn't a traditional thesis. It mm-hmm. was like two years of our work mm-hmm. put into this thing, and it was like you know, three inches thick by the time I got done with it, four inches maybe. And so it was a newer program, and so they were encouraging us to share uh, information, like share how we were putting these things together because the school really didn't offer up because I guess they really didn't know the best way for us to put together these final projects. Mm. And so people that were had finished would then have um, their projects available that we could see mm-hmm. so that we can kind of get an idea of how we should put ours together so that there could be some form of or some some yeah some form of uniformity or some kind of uniformity, but yet individual, you know, our own work. Anyway, so I got mine done and I graduated. And so a fellow student that was a little bit behind me was getting ready to put her stuff together and she wanted to see mine. Well, she was still taking a final class. And so basically what she did was she ripped off a paper of mine Ugh. and she plagiarized, basically oh, t- changed no. the name and turned it oh, in. Oh, no. So I get a phone call from her and I was pretty excited to get a phone call from her because I was thinking, hey, you're graduating. Well, she told me that she plagiarized a paper and that she fessed up to it and she told the school because I guess the school was going to call me mm. and thinking about possibly revoking my credential for cheating mm. or whatever. And I had nothing to do with it. You know, I, I like I said, I had nothing to do with cheating. But for me, her calling and taking the, uh, taking and, and being upfront and being mm-hmm. honest, mm-hmm. like I, I didn't get upset that she took my paper then. Right. I was like, oh, it okay. It diffused the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't happy about it. But then first I'm like, man, that must have been a damn good paper. <laughs> Because she wants to rip it off. Because she was a better academic than I was. Uh, yeah. I'm like, man, that was a really good paper. <laughs> and then, two, I'm like, how stupid. Because it was a pretty specific niche paper that's not just common, you know. Right. And we all have the so same So it would have been yeah. easy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was an easy, like, zing. But she she uh, she fessed up and she took it. And uh, I haven't heard from her since. I mm-hmm. think she, you know, whatever. You know, <laughs> you know, who knows. But she took the blame. And so, for me, early on in, in the academic world it kind of made sense. Like, you know what, by her taking the accountability and taking the responsibility, a, it diffused the situation, but it also kind of gave me a, a learning point that, you know what, that shows character yes. when you can take something because her excuse was that she was, you know, she had her job mm-hmm. because this is a, a master's degree. So we have our jobs. So we're doing our jobs and, and it was, uh, the job was getting behind. I think she was in academics, maybe teaching at high school or something like that, athletic director. So mm-hmm. she had a demanding job running out of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the class was ending. She wanted to graduate. So all this stuff starts compounding. So you make excuses, right? right. And so thus the excuse was right. all this stuff, but she didn't leave it at the excuse. That was the reason, mm-hmm. kind of like the Twinkies led to depression, <laughs> but the Twinkies weren't the cause of the of right. the of the 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 murder of Harvey Milk. So she had her reasons for wanting to plagiarize the paper and just turn it in because she was behind times. Uh, but then she took the responsibility. Yeah, I did that, and mm-hmm. so that makes character stand out, even though you did something wrong. To stand up and say I right. did it, which right. is a lesson that can be learned, so that then when you go down the line, 
and something comes up, I remember, okay, this is what she did. Mm-hmm. Now, do I want to be like her mm-hmm. and have character be like, hey, I did something wrong. Yeah, I admit it. Mm-hmm. Or do I want to be like maybe everybody else and blame somebody else and not mm-hmm. take the responsibility and not be accountable for my actions? Thanks for listening to our special edition Two Steps Ahead podcast, A Trip Down Memory Lane. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can go back to all of our shows. They're posted on our YouTube website at Two Steps Ahead Podcast, also on Instagram at Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and you can go to Spotify, Pandora, all the usual spots to find our Two Steps Ahead Podcast, or just Google Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, highlighting the stuff we've stepped in so you don't have to.